I'm Ben Rosen, and this is The Sports Podcast. So this week, I'm doing a couple games on Sportscaster Live. On Thursday night, I'm doing Giants and Eagles. And then on Saturday, I'm doing Iowa State-Oklahoma State in a top 25 matchup in the Big 12. So I figured that this week, since I'm doing two games, that I'd give you a behind-the-scenes look about how I prepare for games. Now, normally, I don't really do much preparation because of the fact that I'm busy the rest of the week. But this week, I have lots of free time. So I'll be able to give you a behind-the-scenes look. So make sure to check out Check that out on my social pages. So yeah, Thursday night, Giants and Eagles. And on Saturday, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Should be some really good streams. Georgia-Alabama stream seemed pretty successful. And I know that it's cool to see behind the scenes of what goes on to the broadcast. So yeah, you're going to get to see that this week. So stay tuned for that, and make sure to check out those streams. So this past weekend, there was some crazy action in the Premier League, Nella. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. What happened with Tottenham exactly? Um, so, it's odd because this shows the changes between Jose Mourinho and his former self. If if this was him back in the Chelsea days, this is first minute, game's over. It's a one nothing finish. But chose his change, and it kind of shows Tottenham's change. But the fact is, um, first goal was okay from West Ham. Second own goal. Just why are you even going in for that header? That's a cross where your center back is in front of the man it's going to. And then the third goal, no goalie's stopping that, but... It's something has to be asked. Tottenham, though, I mean, the stats, they're pretty even with Tottenham having six shots on target with West Ham's four, and possession is pretty even as well. But something just has to be asked about this result. But may, I think this does show that West Ham is somewhat real this year. All right, I think we have to discuss the controversial VAR decision in the Everton-Liverpool game. Yes, um... Yeah, what were your thoughts on that? Because somebody likes Liverpool. Um, that was not offsides. Okay, you, you, I would, I would agree with that. If you look at the picture, if you look at the replay picture where they show the red line and then, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see any body part on the side of the red line that would lead to it being offsides. Okay, so of course the, there was one other controversy in the game which is also pretty important, as Virgil van Dijk went out injured after a terrible tackle by Jordan Pickford. The thing was, though, it was deemed offside, which thus means that it was, you know, it doesn't matter. It was definitely offsides compared to the other play, but do you think he still should have gotten at least a yellow or yes. maybe a foul for that? Definitely. I mean, van Dijk tore his ACL on that play and is out for six months. Yeah. Five to six months. So, 
we look at other games. Man United versus Newcastle United. Went on. Luke Shaw, own goal, second minute. Looked somewhat over. Harry Maguire tied up in the 23rd minute. And then Bruno Fernandes scored in the 86th minute. You know, just, just kind of stopped watching from there. And then saw, about 20 minutes later, the final score was 4-1. to one. Man United scoring three goals in the final 10 minutes versus Newcastle. What do you think of that happening? And, and the stats really say that, man, you should have done that, as it was 28 shots and 14 shots on target. Not really surprising, you know. Okay. Um, other news around Chelsea Southampton drew 3-3 with a, I can't really say his first name, Vestergaard, with Vestergaard's winner, kind of. It drew the match, left it 3-3. And do you think this says something about Chelsea spending? Because they had a solid 2 nothing lead. Ings scored a pretty good goal to end the half off. Che Adams came out after a horrendous mistake from Katsuma led to an even worse mistake from Kepa, given it a 2-2 score. Havert immediately rushed back with Werner again the assist. And then, of course, Yannick Vestergaard getting the 92nd goal to tie it. 92nd minute goal. Well, I think this says one thing about Chelsea. Overrated. You really... I wouldn't say it says overrated. It's clear they have the attack. I... It just shows that they have too leaky of a back line. And they, they, brought, in, they brought in a new goalie. And they, they need to actually start starting him. What did they do with all that money they spent? Um, they brought in Timo Werner, Kai Havert, Ben Chilwell. Um, they brought in the, a new goalie who I can't remember the name of. And they brought in Thiago Silva, who was... I don't even... No, he didn't even make the bench. And Hakeem Ziyech, who they also brought in. And how many players did they bring in on for defense? Thiago Silva, who didn't, who wasn't even on the bench. But I'm not sure if it was because of injury or if he just got dropped. So do you think Chelsea, do you think it's time to hit the overrated button? No, because it's just odd they've... They're still 7th in the table as of right now, as the Leeds-Wolves game has just started as of filming. But they, they've made the, the games that have happened for them. They've tied two, of course. Amazing comeback versus West Brom. But you shouldn't be 3 nothing down versus them in the first place. So that has to spark some questions. And other news, of course, Villa versus Leicester City. Aston Villa would take the game one nothing with Leicester having 11 shots, five of which were on target, and Aston Villa having 10 shots, four of which were on target. What do you think of that? And it was one in a 91st minute winner from Ross Barkley. Well, not really that surprising of a result. So, you're not surprised that Aston Villa, even though they are coming off of a big win versus Liverpool, but they also... Almost got relegated last year, and probably should have with the controversial Varkar. Well, I mean, they're sh- they're starting to show that they can compete. I mean, now what what does this have to say about Brandon Rogers' Leicester City? As this is two games where, of course, they got smashed up by West Ham a few weeks back, 
and now they have lost to Villa. Well, <laughs> I don't think they're headed in the right direction. Okay. And also, Arsenal versus Man City. Not much. The game wasn't really that great. It was a one nothing win. But there was some controversy with um, Sergio Aguero and the sideline referee, the linesman. What, what did you think of that? Well, that should have been at least a card. You think it should he have been? He touched an official. Yes, that is fair. In other leagues, that will get you penalized. For example, in the NFL, you're automatically ejected from the game. In the NBA, automatically a technical foul. I mean, you're not supposed to touch a referee. Okay, so what what would you have given? If you're the ref in that case, well, what are you calling them? Yellow. You're giving him a yellow? A yellow and a talking to. A and talking telling him to. don't do it again. Okay. Because I don't think it was ejection worthy. But it definitely is worthy of punishment. Now, are you surprised to see this come from, of course, Sergio Aguero, who's pretty old. He's been doing this for, he's been in the Premier League for about 10 years now. And do you think this is almost foolish, a foolish act from him? Yeah, he should know better. He's been around long enough. Okay. And then Crystal Palace in Brighton with some pretty late drama. Wolfred Zaha got a controversial penalty to put Palace in front. And then... Somebody, who I can't say a name of, put Brighton 1-1, and then Lewis Dunk got sent off in the 93rd minute for a terrible challenge, which I don't know why you're going for. But when you look at this, it's undoubtable Brighton deserved to win. It's Palace got one shot, which was that penalty kick, which they scored. Brighton's had 20, but only three of which were on target. What do you think this says about the lineup? That is being put out there by Graham Potter, who is Brighton's boss. I don't know exactly. I mean... I mean, Adam Lallana, they brought him in from Liverpool. He's got to be doing better. He, he looks like this is a squad that he just got into. Like, not just came to, but he looks like he's from the championship with the way he's been performing. Not someone who was on Liverpool's bench when they won the Champions League. Well, I think one thing that we have to discuss, we touched on earlier, the Van Dyke injury. How is that going to affect Liverpool moving forward? I think it, it will affect, but I don't think it will ultimately be too big because he's a solid defender. But you also will have to remember that they've already been playing with struggles, which are way bigger with Allison being out injured, so thus they've had to play Adrian. And I feel like defender-wise, they have players who they can instantly pull out. Of course, they already have um, Matip, who's been starting. Joe Matip, of course. Joe Gomez, he can play there. And that's about it. But um, it should be noted, I don't think it will play too big of an effect. But the fact that Adrian's going to be behind him might cause some damage. I, I think, though, the, the way the league's looking this year, my guess is they'll just be in the race for the top four. All right, so now moving on from the Premier League to UEFA action between the UEFA Champions League and the UEFA Europa League, what do you think are some of the top matchups there this week? Um, well, 
I would say some of the top matchups coming up tomorrow are the, um, the fact that Real Madrid and Shakhtar playing. That's somewhat important. Ajax-Liverpool coming up on Wednesday. City-Porto. Manchester City-Porto. But by far, there are two big games that you will want to watch out for. Inter Milan versus Mönchengladbach. Because in the group they're in, the reason that game will be important is Madrid's going to top that group, undoubtedly. But that game will probably put ahead who's going to come in second and who's going to look at that Europa League spot for the time. And then Bayern Atletico Madrid, that's big. That's pretty big because it's two big teams. But when you look at the group, it becomes a lot less big when you notice the other teams they're competing with is Lokomotiv Moscow and RB Salzburg. Yeah, I think that game's more going to be a game that determines first or second in the group, which could come into the put, which will come into play when it comes time for the round of sixteen. There is one thing I'd like to touch on though, which is Barcelona and Ferenc Savaros. I just butchered that name so badly. I think that game will matter because I think it'll be a small win for Barcelona. But that's the team that's expected to be bomb of this group. Because I think Barcelona, you're going to see them struggle this year. Considering in La Liga, they haven't been doing great. I mean, they haven't been doing bad. But they haven't been doing the good stuff they were not too long ago. Where do you think is one Champions League game? And then we'll move over to the Europa League. Where do you think one Champions League game is this week that we could see an upset? Well, first I'd like to say, I forgot mentioning chelsea Sylvia mainly because I think it's pretty clear with Sylvia's history that they might even, the group they're in, a top two is expected. So it's in the same group that Madrid and Bayern are in, except it's kind of second tier compared to that match. And the upsets that I could see happening, would you consider Gladback beating Milan an upset? Sure. That, that, that would be a debatable upset. And yeah. then got to touch on as well a few matches I missed out on I feel like Man United PSG which is a game going on I didn't consider it giant because I think Paris should destroy that game and they will but one upset I could see happening could be Kiev and Juventus I could see that going as a draw Club Bruges and Zenit I could see Zenit winning that and even Lazio beating Dortmund, that seems like a possibility to happen. So now on the Europa League side of things, what do you think are some of the top matchups in the Europa League this week? Some of the top matchups that this this week, um, well, there, there's a lot of matchups going on, but of big ones, this is the thing with the Europa League, there's not really any real big ones. There's like maybe two or three that I'm seeing here. Which is Leverkusen Nice is kind of big, but I feel like Leverkusen will take that with no problem. PSV Granada, just because Granada's not that good, but it'll show if PSV, who's from the Netherlands, can go against other sides really with this new season. Maybe Young Boys versus Roma, top, one of the top Swiss teams versus a top Italian team. But by far, the, the only game that I'd really be interested in would be Celtic versus AC Milan, just because of the group state, the group that they're in. Celtic, Lille, Milan, Sparta, Prague. 
Prague's going number four. But that that top three, that is going to be big to see who wins. I think it would be Milan and Celtic. But we'll see coming into this game, considering Celtic, they, they just play in Scotland. They don't really face big opponents that often besides maybe Rangers. All right, one bold prediction for the Champions League this season. Mm-hmm. What is that? Oh, right, you want me to give one. Um, I don't really have too many bold predictions. I guess it might be Barcelona finishing third in the group, maybe. You know, maybe Man United coming third below Leipzig and Paris, but I wouldn't consider that too bold. And then from the Europa League, I actually have a bold prediction which is that I think Arsenal will come second in their group behind Modo, because that would be really funny. And that I think Slavia Pra will go ahead of Nice and grab that second-place spot in Group C in the Europa League. All right. I'm going to make a bold prediction for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. It's one of the matchups you touched on. Yeah. I think Sevilla wins their group. You you think they'll win the group? Yes. I think Chelsea wins all the other games except the two against Sevilla. Okay. Because I've not seen anything out of Chelsea yet that suggests that they're Champions League group winner material. Okay. I can see you thinking there, but of course, if you take a look at the a league table, a Liga table, it should be noted Sevilla is in 10th right now with two wins, a draw, and a loss. But... That loss wasn't bad because it was versus Granada, who's in the Europa League and playing PSV, as I touched on earlier. But do you think ultimate? So you think that Chelsea will win that group? I mean, Chelsea will lose that group to Sylvia. Yeah, they'll finish in second. Sylvia wins the group. Okay. So I assume you have Reigns going third then from France? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty bold, I have to admit. Well, we'll see what happens. This is the Sports Podcast Soccer Weekly Roundout. So, some big news in the NFL over the past few weeks. Two head coaches have been fired so far this season. First, the Texans fired Bill O'Brien and named Romeo Cornell interim head coach. He is currently 1-1 one one since being named interim head coach. And then the Falcons fired Dan Quinn and named Raheem Morris interim head coach. He is 1-0 and as interim head coach. Noah, what have you thought of these moves? They they make sense. I guess there's not much I can really say about them. They, they did what should have made sense. I mean, Dan Quinn probably should have been fired before this season. And um, Bill O'Brien... I could see why they didn't fire him until now, but with the start he had, with the team they have, it makes sense. And that that's about it. They, they did what makes sense. So obviously we know Bill O'Brien was the GM with the Texans. And then the Falcons, along with dismissing Dan Quinn, they dismissed general manager Thomas Dimitrov. Are you surprised that they fired both of them at the same time? Kind of, because for, especially for the Falcons here, I think that doesn't make sense because they have the team. It's the coaching that's wrong. And that was shown in their first game versus the Vikings, I feel like, that they have the team. They just weren't using it right. 
So obviously there's been lots of rumors about Matt Patricia and Adam Gase. Who do you think is going to be the next head coach fired? And will there be another head coach firing before the end of the regular season? I think Gase will end up going. But before the end of the season, I think that will be it. I think Adam Gase most definitely will be fired. I think they need to fire him now. Yes. But the we- Jets are terrible. There is no direction that they're going in except tanking for Trevor Lawrence, which I think at this point they're, like, openly tanking. Yeah. I mean, they're not even trying to hide it. Pretty much. So, yeah, I think Adam Gase needs to go. So, you think... I I agree with you here, but you think, like, this week, like, right now. Yes. He needs to be fired. Yes, I mean, they have their bye week. I somewhat agree with it, but have you considered that he might, that they might not be doing that well because they're tanking? He's not a great coach, but he did okay last year, but now they're clearly tanking, so that's probably why they're not going to fire him. Look, they cut Le'Veon Bell because they care enough about Adam Gase to keep him and not Le'Veon Bell. If Adam Gase was not the head coach of the Jets, Le'Veon Bell would still be on the Jets. Have you considered the amount they were paying Le'Veon Bell? Doesn't matter. If Adam Gase was not the head coach, Le'Veon Bell would still be on that team. Okay. Adam Gase has ruined the New York Jets. I don't think he's ruined them. They never were that good before. Really? They, they never Rex were that Rex Ryan took a Mark Sanchez-led team to the AFC Championship game two years in a row. Yes, and Mark Sanchez was a good quarterback. Really? I said was a good quarterback. (laughs) Okay, was at USC, but not with the Jets. I mean, come on. What is his most famous moment with the Jets? It's obviously the bump fumble, but here's the thing. If you don't look at that, his career pretty much all before that was pretty good. Yeah, that's the one thing people remember him for, is that one infamous Thanksgiving night against the Patriots on NBC. That's the one thing they remember about Mark Sanchez in a Jets uniform. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, although he should be remembered for a lot more. And do you think, um, of course, the Vikings, they've been struggling for form at the beginning of the season. Could we see Mike Zimmer? go no way at the end of the season nope they extended him they're keeping him Fair. it's just i think injuries have hurt them i mean Dalvin cook's been banged up and they've run into some tougher opponents okay have to agree with you um so do you think there, there are some teams that are struggling a lot this year and do you think currently in the NFL for teams like, I'm trying to think of some, like the Chargers right now, they're doing pretty average, would you say, a bit below average? You think that's a coaching thing or a team thing? Or also like the Bengals, is that more of a coach thing? I think, thing? like, the Chargers have some talent. They've just run into some trouble with injuries. I mean, Trod Taylor, obviously, we know what happened there. Justin Herbert's not a starter. I mean, I just think, same thing with the Bengals. I mean, there's not really, I mean, the talent's just not there, you know. So well, Coaching can only do so much. I assume you think, then that um, Zach Taylor should keep his job for Yeah, the I mean, they're a developing team. They're in rebuilding mode, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
and do you think this this is gonna sound extremely out of the area but do you think with the current walk of the patriots something not necessarily firing but something does need to be asked about bill belichick no he's bill belichick or their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator no he's bill belichick his son is calling the plays on the defensive side steve belichick and then you got Josh McDaniels, who's going nowhere because he's probably Belichick's successor. But but do you want to be Belichick's successor now? Because this Patriots team, they're going downhill. And I they're mean, not coming back. The reason they lost to Kansas City was because Cam was out. If Cam had been able to play in that game, that would have been a lot closer of a game. Cam, why'd they lose to Denver? Well, their offense couldn't get anything going, and Denver's offense couldn't get going get anything going i mean the broncos brandon mcmanus kicked like five or six field goals in that game yeah pretty much so in other nfl news it was just announced that the dolphins are going to start to a tag of Valoa now at quarterback instead of ryan fitzpatrick what are your thoughts on that move i think it makes sense but at the same time i don't know why they're waiting until now to do it well, I think it helped because I think this is their bye week. I'm not sure. I think it's also the Jets bye week too, maybe. No, I don't think, I don't know. The schedule changed so much. So I know the Dolphins, I think, yeah, I think this is their bye week now. So it's a good time to make the move because it gives, you know, two of the full. And he played against the Jets. I mean, he didn't play much. He just played in the last two minutes and it, it was mostly handoffs. Yeah. But he did throw a couple pass attempts and got a completion. So, yeah, I think that was the plan all along. Was because, let's be real, you're not going to draft a quarterback in the top 10 if you're not going to use him. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, in Cincinnati, we saw Cosbero came in and immediately became their starter. So, why wasn't the same done with Tua? Well, I think they wanted him to sit behind Fitzpatrick for a few weeks and kind of learn and get adjusted moving from college to the NFL, especially with no preseason. And, you know, he just wasn't able to get some of the reps that you would get in a normal year. Yeah, um, I know what you mean, pretty much. So what do you think was some of the big surprises in the NFL this past week? Maybe... The Falcons winning versus the Vikings, but I don't consider that too surprising. They've had the team, they just need coaching. I also consider it a surprise, Denver winning over New England. Yeah. Because that definitely wasn't expected. Yeah, I think with the Falcons, they were going to come out motivated with an interim head coach. Uh, we saw the Texans do the same thing in their first game with Romeo Cornell as the interim head coach. Falcons with Raheem Morris as the interim head coach. I think one surprise... It's kind of a surprise, it's kind of not. The Buccaneers, they played surprisingly well against the Packers. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. I mean, it might have been expected. Rodgers has been doing well all year, and then he wasn't doing well. So, that's what you would expect. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had a shockingly bad game. I mean, two interceptions... I mean, when was the last time Aaron Rodgers threw multiple interceptions? I mean, it's been a while since he threw one. 
but throwing two in the same game and a pick six. But you have to remember, this whole the whole first part of the season, Rodgers has been doing top of his level, best he has in years. So I think it's it's almost to be expected the gas was going to run out eventually, and it, it is right now. It'll be uh, interesting to see if they can refill it, though. And the Packers were coming off their bye week, so that might have had something to do. So you think it's the bye week? Right? Well, because they hadn't played in over a week. I mean, they played the Sunday night game against the Saints, the Monday night game against the Falcons, and they hadn't played since that Falcons game. Okay. So it had been a few days since they had played, so... Which we've seen that before with just across the board in general. You know, there are some teams that come off a bye week really, really, you know. Mm -hmm. And then there are teams that just struggle in that first game back after their bye week. Yeah, and speaking of that, do you think the Vikings, who they, they haven't had a great start, this is their bye week, do you think they will be able to regain something over this bye week, maybe? Maybe, but then they got to go to Lambeau Field, coming off the bye week. But Dalvin Cook's going to be back. Devontae Adams is healthy again for the Packers. I think the Packers are going to win that game. But, I mean, the first time they played in week one, that was a very close game. Yes. I mean, yeah, the Packers won by, like, 10 points right around there. But it was close for most of the game. Yeah, it was. And um, so, yeah, expecting different from this upcoming game with the Packers and Vikings? Not really. I think it will be very similar to the first game. I think the Packers will come out a lot better than they did against the Buccaneers now that they've played a game after their bye week. So they will have played in the last seven days. Okay. Won that game. Another thing that we've got to talk about, kind of a surprise, kind of not. What's going on with the NFC East? Same thing last year. (laughs) All right. What is going to be the record of the team that wins the NFC East? Remember, with the Eagles, you have to factor in the tie. Seven, eight, and one. Seven, eight, and one. I'm going to say six, nine, and one, and that's the Eagles. Okay. Because, yes, Andy Dolan's a good quarterback. I think he's very underrated. But in that game against the Cardinals, I did not see any indication that that Cowboys offense is going to be able to handle playing without Dak, especially on the offensive line. Because Andy Dolan, for most of that game, had no time to throw. I don't that that's fair. Their offensive line's been struggling all year, and I don't think it's the offense can't go without Dak. I think it's Dak. He can if those people coming at him, he can hold it for a few seconds. Andy Dalton can't really do that, and that's gonna make it so his throws are gonna be less accurate because he's gonna have a lot less time, so it's gonna be harder for everyone to catch. So I think it's all a core problem in the O line, really. And Andy Dalton doesn't have the scrambling ability that Dak does. No, he doesn't have any at all. And then you've got the Eagles. Zach Ertz is out. Miles Sanders is out. I mean, they've been banged up across the board all season. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Jalen Hurts more for them? Yeah, probably. It's going to happen. Almost every year this happens. Wentz is going to get injured. Maybe week 12, 11, 13. 
and had to finish out the season playing the think, wild card. And I don't think Wentz gets injured. What I think happens is, which Doug Peterson's talked about this, is they run the two QB package a lot more. Run like what the Saints do with Taysom Hill. Yeah, but um, I don't think... I don't think it would work as well because Taysom Hill in Drew Brees, it's, it's more of a fit because, well, Drew Brees is someone who has quite the arm and then Taysom Hill can run quite a bit. So it's a solid Well, Jalen Hurts has that running ability and Carson Wentz can run too. Yes. Better than other quarterbacks. And then the Giants. They got their first one of the season against the Washington football team. Do you think that we could see the Giants start to get some wins? No. I mean, they play the Eagles this week. They're maybe three wins this year. It's the, This might look like something. It's just a win versus the football team. Are you surprised that New York's not going to end up going 0 for 32 between the Giants and Jets? No, um, I'm not. And I think that people have said New York's going to do a lot worse than they really will because what you have to look at is the um, the Giants, they, they don't really have the toughest opponents. So Well, yeah, they're playing the NFC East. That's going to make I mean, it. they play the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Washington football team twice a year. And that's what you have to remember. I mean... That's why you can never count these teams really out of a position just because their opponents are so easy, typically, that if they can just build up a solid team, you got a playoff spot. Yeah, so with the Washington football team, we saw Alex Smith get in at quarterback when Kyle Allen got banged up against the Rams. Dwayne Mm -hmm. Haskins has been benched. What do you think we're going to see at quarterback for them? Do you think Haskins will start another game for them? No, no. Um, Haskins, he did, oh, he did good in college, but he, he's not able to do it in the NFL. And I think he needs to, they, the whole organization needs to accept that, which they are. And I think they just need to move on and potentially try to get a better quarterback in the future. Do you think we could see Haskins traded before the trade deadline? No. Because with all the injuries going on this year... You always need a solid backup in a position right now. Well, they have Kion, they have Alex Smith, and they have Dwayne Haskins. Yes. And remember, under NFL rules, you only get two active quarterbacks. Fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. So, what did you think of the Rams? Because they went 4-0 against the NFC East, came into the game against the 49ers 4-1, and then... Lost to the 49ers, who looked terrible against the Dolphins last week. Um, I think it says a lot about if the Rams are good enough. But I think what it truly says is that the Niners can do things when they really need to. And I think we'll see in the upcoming week that despite the injuries, they'll still be able to have a somewhat solid season. It's just after those first few weeks. As more and more players start to come back from injury, they'll start to be as good as they were at the end of last season. Yeah, I think especially with Debo Samuel's back, Jimmy Garoppolo's back, I mean, they're getting some of these offensive players that they had injured back. The offense is starting to get 
but Raheem Mostert's going to be out a few weeks, so that might mm. hurt them. But I think we could see the 49ers start to kind of get it back together. Mm-hmm. Probably. That could very possibly happen. And I think that they aren't any worse. It's just that they haven't had their players available. Because once they all come back, maybe next season, they will be just as good as they were last year. Indebatably better. Yeah, I think injuries have definitely hurt them this season. Mm-hmm. So, we've got to talk about this, because this was a debated topic when it happened on Sunday. Do you agree with the Texans' decision to go for two in the fourth quarter to make it a two-possession game and put it out of reach against the Titans, even though they missed it and the Titans came back and forced overtime and won. I don't think you should be putting that much faith in a two-point conversion because that's always a possibility to happen. Really? Really? Yes, I don't think... I think you, in so, that's... In that kind of situation, I I understand what they're doing, and I think it's a good idea, but I never think you should put too much faith in a second. So let's be clear here. Two-point conversion. You have more... You trust the Texans' defense to stop the Titans with Derrick Henry more than you do giving Deshaun Watson the football at the two-yard line? Yes, because, you know, I'm not sure. It's a good possession. And here, you're in a position at the two-yard line, but... The opponents also have a pretty good idea on what you're going to do. Because there's pretty much two options, really. Maybe three, four options to do on a two-point conversion. You can try to run it in. You can run a slant play. Or you can run fade routes. There's not too many options. Wow. So you're not going to put Deshaun Watson in position to close out the game. You're instead going to allow your defense to go out there and try to have to stop Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill in this Titans offense. Yes, that that is exactly what I'm going to do. And I I have some faith in the defense, which is debatable to have, but I think if ultimately we can get the right plays on them, because you even just said it right now, that Derrick Henry is what they're going to do. So if you run commit maybe half the team, you're going to win that battle. Did you not see what Derrick Henry did to Josh Norman? Yes. I mean, he can stiff-arm defenders and knock them down all over the place. If the whole team knows what they're going to do, it's impossible to get through. If if all the players know what you're going to do, it is impossible. You can be as fast and you can have as much power as you need, but there is no way you can get to the end zone if everyone knows what you're going to do. This is what you do in that spot. You put the ball in Deshaun Watson's hands because I would trust him more than that Texans defense because Deshaun Watson is more likely to get you those two points and basically close out the game than that Texans defense is getting a stop against the Titans offense. Then why didn't he? Well, that's what Romeo Cornell did. He gave Deshaun Watson the ball. They failed on the two-point conversion. You would have done that too, and they failed on two-point conversion. And then you get overtime where the game basically comes down to a coin flip, which is dumb. I mean, who wants the Super Bowl to be decided by a coin flip? Or any game, for that matter. Decided by a coin flip. Don't really know, honestly. Because the Titans were able to get the ball and marched down the field, and Derrick Henry took it in. Yeah, that's fair. 
Well, what do you guys think? Make sure to comment wherever and share your thoughts on this and who you think was right on and share what you would do. So it was announced yesterday by NBC Sports that Doc Emmerich, Mike Doc Emmerich, the lead voice of the NHL on NBC, is retiring. Some huge news in the sports media landscape. But first, before we get in, before I get into discussing potential replacements and whatnot, Doc, thank you for and congrats on the wonderful career. It was awesome to get to listen to you call NHL games, one of the greatest of all time at the job. Now, on to potential who I think could replace him. I think the top two candidates, well, top three, Mike Tirico, Kenny Albert, John Forsland. Those are the three that I think are the front runners. Obviously, Tirico, one of the faces of NBC Sports. Kenny Albert does NHL with NBC, NFL on Fox, New York Rangers Radio, filling on Knicks TV, very busy. And then you got John Forslund, former announcer for the Hurricanes, also does some work for NBC Sports, NHL coverage, called some of the playoff games. So did Albert and Tirico. All three of them called playoff games this past season. But my prediction is that it's going to be Kenny Albert or John Forslund. Because, A, they're very knowledgeable about the NHL. They're, they've been around the league for a while, which helps. And Tirico's schedule is really busy, as is between Notre Dame football and hosting golf events and hosting football night in America and that kind of stuff, which Tirico's really good, too. I mean, all three of them are really good options. I think it'll be Albert or Forsland. But another thing about while we're on this topic of NBC Sports, I expect Tariko to take over Frau Michaels as the voice of Sunday Night Football after next season. Because Al's contract, Al Michaels' contract is up after next season. And it's the Super Bowl year for NBC after they switched with CBS after SoFi Stadium got moved back a year in the Super Bowl hosting rotation. But yeah, that's what I think. We'll have to wait and see what happens in the sports media landscape. So, at the sports podcast, we're going to be starting something new. At the conclusion of this college football season, which some of it will come before the conclusion, we are going to have the alternate college football season. We're going to have a bunch of Twitter polls, which you can vote on to help determine scheduling and that stuff. Specific, like, matchups and whatnot. And then we're going to have a poll for each game each week in a weekly top 25 and kind of have like an alternate to what this year's college football season could have been like without COVID-19 
largely altering the season. Some of the details will come later, but one thing is the basic scheduling format. So of the conferences that have divisions and have 14 teams. So like the ACC, the Big Ten, and the SEC, they will have a nine plus three model. So nine conference games, three non-con games, you know, with the two bye weeks, so it's 14 weeks in the normal season format. And you must play one road non-conference game. It's across the board. Notre Dame will be counted as an independent. Conference championship games will come at the conclusion of the 14 weeks. More scheduling stuff will come in the polls, which will determine some of the crossover opponents. The Big 12 might have some, might not have any polls just because of the way that, because of the fact there's no divisions. So yeah. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting. There's going to be, as I said, weekly top 25 rankings. And yeah. So be on the lookout for that coming up shortly. Seeing some of these scheduling polls do help determine some conference games and non-conference games. And then we can have the sports podcast college football alternate college football season champion. So yeah, make sure to keep to be looking out for it as we get closer to November and December especially. It's when it when you'll start seeing some of the polls, possibly even later this month, but we'll see. So yeah. Keep on the lookout for that. I'm Ben Rosen, and this is The Sports Podcast.